watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I am Rebecca Olarte, and today we're taking a look at one movie, one <laughs> brilliant masterpiece of a train wreck the very, assignment very very special movie that requires your complete attention this week uh as rebecca mentioned it is called the assignment uh it is a movie that we have all just watched and we're so excited uh to talk about it for all of you right now we also have a special guest friend of the show joshua grinnell uh, who was able to watch the movie and sit down with us and talk about it so let's go ahead and let's listen to the conversation about the assignment let's throw to it we are very excited to welcome back to the show one of our very favorite guests this is the one and only joshua grinnell also known as peaches christ and boy oh boy did we have fun watching the assignment together just now did we not <laughs> we definitely it's it's uh indescribable fun it'll be that's gonna be the challenge of the podcast it really is oh, guys so we we the three of us literally just watched this film along with both binge spouses mm-hmm and uh, and I had been I had been advocating for this for us to watch this movie. I had been once I found out it was coming to VOD on this date. I started to get in touch with Joshua right away to feel out his schedule, <laughs> working it out with Rebecca because I I just knew I, I saw this seven months ago now seven full months ago up at TIFF, and I was like this is destined to be some kind of disaster piece some kind of this will unquestionably have some sort of cult life just mm-hmm. in the way that spectacularly awful movies that are still extremely entertaining do uh so i feel like we have the right guest to help us break down Absolutely. this movie right now <laughs> well you were correct <laughs> i think disaster piece is a uh, one of the more perfect uh ways to describe it for sure <laughs> i think i'm still blown away by it yeah like, i'm yeah, I think I'm all of us, our minds are swimming. Uh, this was there were multiple times during the movie that Rebecca was like, I, both both Rebecca and Joshua said like, I feel like what I'm even what am I going to say? How do you describe? How do you under, help someone understand the Where assignment? Do you start. I guess we can start saying what it's about. Yeah, maybe, and just let that. Yeah, I think us. I think maybe filling people in, and you know, I would say like there are spoilers, but you know, the yeah. whole movie's already spoiled. You know, yeah. you're not, you're, we're not going to ruin anything. Yeah, yeah, I think we're we're definitely going to be discussing a lot of the plot points. Uh, so if you don't want to know anything about the movie, then don't listen. But please go see it. Uh, but you should just listen to us talk about it. So it is directed by Walter Hill, uh, who is a legendary uh, action director who did the Warriors. He did the 48 Hours movies. um, And he has that sort of 70s, 80s, lurid action thriller thing on lock. And he definitely brings that to play in a way in this movie. Uh, It stars Michelle Rodriguez (laughs) as a male character whose name is Frank Kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> Frank Kitchen is a hitman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of Frank's um, uh, targets uh, is turns out to be the brother of this sort of mad scientist, played by Sigourney Weaver. 
A surgeon. A the kind surgeon. that does surgeries. The kind that does surgeries. Like a doctor. Like black market surgeries. Yeah, like black market surgeries. For the good of people who couldn't afford other surgeries. <laughs> yes. <and> she, <laughs> that's... There really is that. that it, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a, she's a humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and a Shakespeare lover. And a <laughs> lover yes. of Shakespeare and Poe. And Poe. And Poe. Po. Edgar Allen. Edgar Allen, to be clear. Not that she expects any of us to know <laughs> what these references are. Uh, so, uh, so what she does to have her revenge on Frank for killing her brother, who, by the way, we meet very briefly and who is a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just scumbag, like, cokehead, abusive nightmare. Uh, so no great loss there. But nonetheless, it's her brother. And so to avenge her brother, she decides to give Frank... Um, gender reassignment surgery to change Frank uh, into a woman. Uh, and so Frank is very angry about this when Frank wakes up. <laughs> and then Frank yes. sets off to uh, Even have... Even though Frank looks flawless. Amazing. I mean, the best like, surgery. Literally, yeah, like, not one scar. No not scars. Not a single scar. The most natural flawless. breasts. Yeah, the skin uh, is amazing. You would uh-huh. never know. Do not have to shave the pubic hair yeah. to do mm-hmm. the operation. But even like sort of, you know, most people take years getting mm. laser treatments. Mm. And, you oh, know, yeah. But her skin is like flawless. A, sometimes there's a bit of swelling after any uh, surgery. Oh, yeah. Or, like, yeah, no, she... Frank was she's perfect right out of the gate yeah yes and uh and so Frank uh sets off to have his revenge um and to track down the people who did this to him uh and uh and the logic that the doctor had was that this was giving Frank a fresh start this was giving Frank an opportunity to be released from his prison of masculinity mm-hmm. and to um, to be a more a better person than he was in his first life. So really, she's coming from a good place. She's doing she's doing work that is radical and imaginative. The Lord's work. The Lord's work, really? you could say. So I feel like that is that's the best sort of nutshell description of what the yeah. movie is about. We have, and also she's uh, when the movie's happening, we're getting this all in a lot of flashbacks where she's telling. Um, I guess he's a uh, detective. Oh. He was a doctor. He's Wasn't a he wearing doctor? a lab coat? Oh yeah, Tony, Tony Shalhoub. Monk, Tony Shalhoub, monk himself, uh, is basically interviewing Sigourney Weaver from a in, mental hospital in a giant. Room in a mental hospital in a in a giant straight jacket. Yeah, so Gordy's wearing a straight jacket. That changes sizes halfway through the movie and then changes back. It does it changes sizes. At one point, she looks like a turtle. In it. But the the thing is, is she's she's delivering this story in the most insane dialogue. Like her dialogue, I just kept. I mean, I kept thinking, and we would discuss it. Like how. Did this happen? Like, how did they get Sigourney Weaver? You know, she had to have read the script at some point. Mm-hmm. At some point. It's unbelievable. It's tough. It's tough knowing what went on here. And Scott put the pieces together that Walter Hill, the director of this film, had produced the Alien films. And so perhaps they had a long-standing relationship. Um, and maybe he came to her and said, like, oh, I'm doing this sort of like this, this, this lurid, hard-boiled film noir throwback. It's going to be really over the top. There could be a fun role in it for you. I think it would definitely. When Scott pointed that out, because mm-hmm. remember I kept saying, yeah, there's got to yeah, be, is I the, kept saying, be a favor. I was like, there's got to be some favor or something mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And I think that has to be it. Like, mm-hmm. this was a friendship chit yeah. that was called in. And I mean, 
I, I mean, she's doing her best, I guess, because, you know, it's, but, but even then I felt like she's now intentionally doing it bad or something, you know, mm-hmm. because she, there's no other way. She's tough to watch in this in, in the sense that it's, it seemed like you, Joshua, were having a lot of sort of an emotional response from a place of deep sadness and embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, because I love her so mm-hmm. much and I love, like I said, she's contributed so much at, as far as a woman right. who's a great actor um and 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 not you know not, so many iconic roles and mm-hmm. and, and and has swum with sharks and succeeded and has mm-hmm. played an action hero right. and has done mm-hmm. so much to empower um good writing and good mm-hmm. roles for women especially mm-hmm. in the alien series right so mm-hmm. um but also working girl and so many you know like she can do comedy she can do drama so to see her at this stage in her career like appear in a movie like this it makes me mad you know mm-hmm. i'm kind of angry about mm-hmm. it like she right. this is this is in a sense a form of humiliation it's, you know and it's not fair it calls to mind late period joan crawford in a way mm. like totally this is and completely like mm-hmm. You know, but you don't get the sense that Sigourney Weaver is desperate. Right. Right. Like, I don't Unlike feel Joan like was. Sigourney right, right. isn't able to get work. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Sigourney. She's still A-list. Want, yeah, she's mm-hmm. still yeah. A-list. She yeah. might be of age, but mm-hmm. she can get great work. And yeah. when and when we, she's done camp well, like uh, Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. and oh, spoiler alert there, right. Sigourney shows up <laughs> in, in the third act, mm-hmm. she's completely in on the joke it's delicious she she mm-hmm. knows what her place is in pop culture whereas this is none of that this is just a train wreck yeah, yeah. how would we uh-huh. explain this character so we talked about just the basics of her motives but they the characterization of this character is that she's this self this this sort of pseudo intellectual mm-hmm. uh who uh just she has Sigourney Weaver's voice. So she has that going for her already because Sigourney Weaver speaks in that very measured patrician tone and very sort of grand and uh, which makes Mm -hmm. the dialogue in this movie so much more hilarious coming out of her (laughs) mouth. Um, She also applies that evenness to, I feel like the way it's written, maybe they were picturing much bigger mood swings in her Mm -hmm. dialogue than she has because she'll just kind of pivot. She'll be like, what I'm telling you is that this is why I did what I did to Frank. I see now that you're not paying attention and that my words are lost on you. I'm losing interest in this conversation. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah, it just, yeah. she just like maintains that evenness mm-hmm. in everything she's saying. And I think that's, you know, that's the superiority of the character that she's perhaps trying to, can, you know, portray there. And she's also presented, and they don't really go into this in a way. And again, I think, you know, something... Uh, I said uh, before we started recording is is it remi- this reminds me of a, a 14 year old mm-hmm. straight boys you know attempt at making a movie because this you know you, very young student filmmaking and so there's these scenes where all of a sudden she's wearing a suit and you get the <laughs> sense like when you don't see her in the straight jacket that there's probably some sort of non-binary mm-hmm. thing that the director is trying to suggest but it's completely never. Uh, I don't know. They, they, I, I, it just is. It, you can tell a decision was made. Mm-hmm. Let's put her right. in a suit, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. To me, maybe I'd be, I'm too queer to think anything right. of it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> right. uh, 
And <laughs> coupled with the fact that, you know, when it is suggested that maybe she is devious oh, right. in her pursuit of turning Frank into a woman right. because she has a sexless <laughs> life, she clarifies by telling um, Tony Shalhoub, uh, no, I have sex whenever I want. With whomever with I what? want. And then if that's not enough, we get to see <laughs> we get a Sigourney riding, riding a couple of dudes. Cock. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's just, again, the, the, the idea that a 14-year-old boy made this movie cannot be emphasized enough. Like, and, and you know, this director, he made The Warriors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's done... Um, mm-hmm. But I do think you're right as far as the way this film is made, the way it's presented. I wonder if it was made in 1975, mm-hmm. if somehow... It would have worked. Absolutely. Mm. I feel like yeah. it would have. So, yeah. So, I don't know if I... Yeah. So, this originally started off as... It was a pitch in 1978. And back then, the title was Tomboy. <laughs> and it was a very similar um, plot-wise to the film that we now have today called The Assignment, or Reassignment, as it was called when I first saw it. And uh, and I think that... Because it has that kind of... In the 70s, there was, that, there was such a... There was a whole niche of like these like grimy... Manhattan set mm. um, lurid action movies where mm-hmm. you know stories like Dog Day Afternoon mm-hmm. where like trans you know the trans matter does come to bear mm-hmm. in that story so I feel like we were seeing or cruising cruising you know where queerness is sort of yeah. this uh, yeah. this scary taboo yeah. or you know like gender reassignment mm-hmm. like what is that and what can yeah. you That's do a very with good that you know? Frank Kitchen impression yeah. right <laughs> yeah well we have to get to Frank Kitchen I mean <laughs> we, we will I think we're saving uh, yeah we're saving that for last because we're Oh gonna laugh too much. When I we get can, to like that I part. can't. I, you have to drive this entire thing. I just, every <laughs> anything, anything that comes up, I just start laughing. Yeah, uh-huh. Rebecca, Rebecca shed a lot of tears uh, oh, over the course of the movie. But, but no, I, I think it does. It does come from that era of yeah, these movies that use certain pieces of of, of sexuality of a, of unusually typical taboo sexuality and kind of um, you know embedded them into the foundation of just like a lurid action movie. Mm-hmm. So it definitely comes from that place, and it, it has such a lack of understanding around trans issues. Like this is this is this is why when mm-hmm. I first saw it, going into it, we were already on alert that okay, this movie's going to be super offensive about trans stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, while we were in line for this very first screening of it, that was when the news broke that Alexis Arquette had passed, mm. and so that was like you know looming over me. I was thinking about that uh, and feeling that as I was going into the theater to watch this movie. Wow. Um, but the weird thing is, and you know, and let's so we can open it up now to talk about the movie's uh, approach to any concept of transness and whether or not the trans discussion even applies mm-hmm. to this story. That's one reason I feel like it's easy to enjoy it for how bad it is because mm-hmm. it's so far removed from attempting to represent. Uh, transgender people right. in any any mm-hmm. form of reality mm-hmm. that it you know it's like okay well I'm not even offended on that level mm-hmm. because this yeah. is so stupid other than the inherent you know concept that the worst <laughs> thing you could do to someone do you know but but that is also not just a, a transgender no. offense it's it's a homophobic and sexist mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm application so on all levels it's offensive it's offensive to trans folks to queer folks and to women i mean anyone who is interested in gender equity this movie is so in some ways it makes it easier to enjoy Mm -hmm. you know as a disaster Mm -hmm. piece because it's not this 
you know, trans monster portrayal. Right. You know, sh- he is a he throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the surgery is used as a punishment or a form of rehabil- rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with being trans. No. no. No, it doesn't. And in its own way, it almost is, in its own very, very ham-fisted so way. <laughs> it is. It really is. Don't say that. It's super woke. It's yeah. super woke. No, I was going to say, no. in, its, in its own way, it is, in its own weird way, it is uh, sort of pro... There's a certain understanding of gender in the movie that I think does actually fit into like a correct narrative because Frank, his gender is male and no amount of changing his body will change his gender. So I think it does speak to the idea that gender mm. is gender and gender doesn't... I don't think they were thinking on that no, level, no, but I'm I saying, see what you're accidentally. saying. Accidentally. Yes, yeah, I, accidentally. Yes. It has stumbled into yes, yes, an yes. understanding mm-hmm. that gender, it's true. Like your gender... Well, he does and, say... Even if your outside doesn't match your gender... He does you know, say that, yeah. Right. And, and by like, that you mean he says... I'm a guy. Yeah. Listen, no, he says, I want to be a guy my, again. B- my body's changed. <laughs> my mind hasn't. Exactly. Something like, it's something and about Sigourney his Weaver yeah. says something like that too. She's yeah. like, he was still Frank. Yeah. You know, what I did did not change the frankness. Uh, Meanwhile, <laughs> like there, you know, the d- surgeon gave him a lifetime supply of estrogen, we guess, at one point, and he's everything he could need. The estrogen, like you know, things would change by the, like, by the it, fistful. It's like yeah, he's like, like drinking estrogen pills, <laughs> yeah, like a cereal box. It's just it's so insane. Oh my god! Why does he keep taking estrogen? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so yeah, so it has it doesn't understand estrogen. <laughs> it doesn't understand that it's it's weirdly it's weirdly uh, accidentally correct on gender. It almost it even has a critique of toxic masculinity in its way. Good. And to be fair, it's also racist. Oh, it's terrible. It's you know, it's it's offensive across the board, you know, like so like it's like, you know, um I it would be fun to sort of watch it with a trans person because I think mm-hmm. they'd have a similar, mm-hmm. you know, um response, which is like, <laughs> can I even be offended right. by this? Yeah. You know, because it's sort right. of like, you know, um it's, it's so goofy. Uh it's so it's so out of touch with reality. So it is very, very casually but insistently racist <laughs> uh toward Chinese people. Yes. Um, Although they it, do later have a, a have a um <laughs> Chinese doctor. Yeah, so there you I, go. I, I was gonna I, wait Positive a second. Representation. <laughs> representation still, matters. Still stereotypical, but before that. In a good yeah. way. Uh, and it and also... they don't represent little Azteca very well. <laughs> at all. <laughs> I mean, they seem to represent little Azteca as sort of a Mexican I really, crime slime. I was very upset by that. In Richmond. In Richmond. Yeah. So, so we haven't even talked about the fact yet yeah. that this takes place in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, man. and it has very, it does the law and order thing of giving you very specific business names and addresses and also timestamps that don't always match what kind of light system we're having on screen. <laughs> There's a scene of them getting drunk in the middle of the night and it says 4.05 p.m. Um, but so it has all these, it mainly takes place in the Tenderloin, which it just repeatedly says the, the Tenderloin, tenderloin. <laughs> San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and it definitely thinks the Tenderloin is the same thing as Chinatown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, and then not only do we then have all these very regressive cliche one note depictions of like these Chinatown characters, um, but they even have oh like, a, a woman who works at the at like the SRO or whatever that Frank is staying at um, is speaking in Chinese, and then in the translation <laughs> they have the translation is in broken English. 
It's like, surely, surely she's fluent in Chinese. Right. And there's no reason to it's have her like, speaking Chinese. Right. Because she's speaking to Frank. Right. Who, like, does not look like he would know Chinese. Right. So she's, like, know? yelling at him in it's Chinese. Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> she's yelling at him in Chinese. And then the subtitle says, like, why you make mess? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, it's Michelle Rodriguez... Yeah. When you <laughs> first introduced her. Why you it's... make mess. <laughs> oh my god. That, yeah, in Mandarin. Yeah. Oh my god. So, uh, so I will oh say, god. so right off the bat, when we started to watch this movie, mm-hmm. I'll set up what Rebecca is going into. So, I you can't. know, so the movie starts. <laughs> And the first thing you see in this movie is a sort of, it, it almost, it feels like, um, and the whole thing is kind of vaguely Kill Bill reminiscent in terms of like its overall kind of themes mm. and structure, but like it opens as Kill Bill does with like a black and white footage of somebody in convalescence in a hospital. With, so we see all these bandages and then Michelle Rodriguez comes over in voiceover and says, I've killed a lot of dudes. <laughs> they were pieces of shit. <laughs> uh, and uh, and that's her speaking voice. She definitely has like a Christian Bale Batman speaking mm-hmm. voice for this entire movie. And I think it's it's, it's not a, it's not a, an altered a digitally altered voice. This is just Michelle Rodriguez doing her best deep voice. Yeah, <laughs> and she just try, does her best to commit. But so when when Michelle Rodriguez first appears on screen, she is Frank Kitchen, and Frank Kitchen <laughs> has a full beard. <laughs> And also, it looks like they gave her a mild prosthetic yeah. on her nose, made yeah. her nose wider, wider. Um, and that's and also they gave her a dick, which we yeah. which we do see. Yeah, yeah. they she, gave it, they gave her generous. They gave her a really nice chunky dick. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, pretty furry chest yeah. and belly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was and enough to full, trick us. Full beard. Mm-hmm. Yet, yeah, we were like, she still looks like she could be a model for you know Prell shampoo. <laughs> Somehow they didn't cut her hair or give her like a man's hair because she's like long, beautiful, yes. brown hair that she wears in a ponytail, except for wisps that kind of come down and frame her face. It's so like, wh- at what point are you like designing the prosthetic penis? And you're not like, Maybe we should give her like a skull cap and like have her have a receding hairline or you know, anything to make her look more masculine because we're going to great lengths for this new for this, shower for this scene. Perfect dick. They also do not change her narrow feminine shoulders and thin no. lady arms. They don't pa- like padding. Right. You know, costumers mm-hmm. would understand like giving her broader shoulders because if you, it's interesting choice, right? Mm. With the choice to make this movie. And you, you, at, you, all. you at all. Okay, so you're, you're, you're so let's say you commit to doing this script, okay. and then you go. Um, we could have um, a male actor, sure, a yeah. female actor, a trans person right. play this part. You know, whatever. I definitely feel like they went with the most interesting choice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because they make the most interesting choice at every turn of the road. If the concept is that this is a cis man right. who's being punished, mm-hmm. wouldn't it make more sense and be a lot easier to swallow seeing that cis man appear as a, you know, mutilated woman or whatever <laughs> right. it is? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, I know. like a Jared Leto thing from I that, know. you know, like you oh. would accept it more. It'd be so much easier. So it's interesting that yeah, they actually, yeah. I feel like they chose the, mo- the they, most challenging yeah. thing. I mean, the idea there would be that 
that the surgery was more successful than real life had been, right? We were, yeah. She's a more convincing woman. It's right. the most successful was, surgery yeah. ever. Oh, oh yeah. In the history I mean, of the world. In, you know, it's like, there's, like, there's no scars. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I mean, they do, they do explain it, and the, yeah. they do explain it in the dialogue when yes. Sigourney says, I don't leave scars. Yeah, she's like, I don't. She's like, I'm she's a very a top surgeon. Doctor. Yeah, yeah. And she like, basically, and she's like, she gives her like the Caitlyn Jenner shaming. If she's like, you should know that most people out there seeking this surgery don't have access to the resources that you had through me. Like so you're welcome. Estrogen. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so. just. I mean, you know. Okay, I was trying to think of. Um, movies like this and the only mm. one that kept coming to mind is actually a movie that I really really love which mm. is The Skin I Live In oh yeah you know, absolutely the Almodovar oh, that's, film that's mm-hmm. so good where they just mm-hmm. used two different yeah. actors yeah, and you that, know and, and they made and the you, reveal so and, much more shocking and it works it's a movie yeah. so you accept it right. because yeah. you know yeah. that there's a poetry to filmmaking yeah it's like okay clearly mm-hmm. this you know um, woman who's right. playing this part wasn't this man who was playing this part, but mm. you know because we you know are watching a movie, we're going to accept that this is storytelling or whatever. So I actually think this choice was so bizarre. I mean, because, you know, I mean the choice again, the choice to finance this thing was <laughs> top to bottom. the weirdest part, and then getting Sigourney yeah. is the uh, next baffling thing. Yeah. But then to put Michelle Reed Rodriguez as Frank Kitchen is just sort of like I mean, it really just it makes what could have been. Like a medium-sized disaster right. piece, it kind of goes, okay, yeah. you are now in the running for one of the best disaster pieces ever. That's why you, you know, can't miss this movie. No, you really no, can't. No. You, and you know who I think could have, because I think I had that thought too when I first watched it, like it would have made a lot more sense to just cast you know, a cis male actor in the role, and then that would kind of play more into what the story is about. Uh, in the sense that it's about a cis male person who, even though their body is changed to be female, remains a cis male person um, in, the, in their gender. And I thought Walton Goggins actually mm. would have been a really mm. good fit for this because he actually has played on some show he was on. He um, he was playing like a, a trans uh, character and he has he has that kind of look where he is Nick narrow enough, petite enough. His face can look, you know, sort of pretty enough. And he's also just a great actor. I don't know if you saw like a hateful eight. Mm hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. was he in that? He was like the oily kind of dude. He was like the he's like the super racist guy to pick up on the oh. side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's yeah, alive yeah. to the end. Yeah. At the end, it's just him and Sam Jackson. Oh, and Jeffrey he's Jason amazing Lee. in that. Yes. Yeah, he was amazing. He was brilliant. So I think yeah. he would have made a great Frank Kitchen. You know, I kept thinking like, of course, we don't live in a world where um, they're going to take these kinds of risks with mm-hmm. casting when you're looking for Michelle Rodriguez. But I kept thinking. Oh, this would be such a great, you know, opportunity for someone non-binary to like kind of step up and or or a trans person on either side of the spectrum because they could bring that to the Mm -hmm. table. Mm -hmm. It's like when I watch Orange Is the New Black Mm -hmm. and you see um, Laverne degraded. You know where Mm -hmm. they take Laverne's you know hair away from her. You know, and it's just there's there's a real like if you wanted to give the film a real resonance, Mm -hmm. you know, here would be an opportunity, but. Maybe 
Any <laughs> trans person with two brain cells would have passed <laughs> on the script that, alone. You that know, does so. seem quite likely. I, I like that Jason's still looking for roles, more roles for cis, cis I know. Men. I'm like, you know what? This, this movie needs like, a cis white male I'm to like, play no, the lead. Jason, maybe we should argue. <laughs> listen, you know. listen. But actually, no. I, do, I, don't, I don't think because of the script, I actually right. don't think it would have been well, good for anybody. Yeah. Well, you I think, know. well, I think the thing about Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black 2 is that in her episode in season one, when they had her backstory, Laverne Cox's brother played the character when before she had transitioned yes uh so that was and that was just like a windfall for them casting wise that they actually had like mm-hmm. laverne cox like twin, twin brother yeah twin oh yeah twin brothers like that was just oh, form, form, former uh performer at tranny shack oh, oh yeah, yeah you oh, didn't yeah. know that oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, laverne yeah. used to come yeah 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 in the oh, early days shit. of tranny shack laverne's brother reginald lamar who's this fantastic mm. gothic artist mm. if you uh the home listener want to look up reginald lamar he um, was a performer back in the early days of Tranny Shack, which is this local drag trans cabaret mm-hmm. um, here in San Francisco. Uh, and his character was the Grand Negress Godiva. Oh, wow. And she would come out and she was um, at SFAI. She was an art student who did could do like really great opera singing. And so she would do it to things like Smells Like Teen Spirit, mm-hmm. where she'd get yeah. like a, 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 you know, record and do kind of like white face like this amazing amazing drag and uh yeah and laverne used to come i don't think i realized that yeah yeah yeah. did laverne used to live in the bay area no but reginald was in school here right and and they're twins right so yeah and i think they're still very close i'm Mm -hmm. i'm friends with uh reginald on facebook and stuff and reginald is still very much an artist and a Mm -hmm. successful artist um but he won't you know he doesn't really talk about um his famous sister other than once in a blue moon so watching orange is the new black um i didn't realize like natasha leone had told me name dropper because we're (laughs) friends um that this woman was on the show and she thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be a big thing for trans folks you know and at the time i thought well who knows you know yeah um but of course natasha was so right Mm -hmm. and um and so I'm watching the show, and I didn't recognize Laverne's name or anything like that. And I'm watching, and I'm like, she looks so familiar. Like, how do I oh, feel like I've met her before? You know. But it wasn't until the flashback oh, sequence where I was funny. like, oh, of course, it's brother. Reginald's sister. Yeah. How funny. Oh, yeah. my God. Small world. <laughs> well, I think the thing that, you know, yes, I can be dinged for, you know, suggesting another cis male white actor to play the role, but... Uh, to, to ask like a trans female actor to play the role and to have to play this scene of like I've been mutilated into a woman this is horrible I'm ruined would just be I think so like just unthinkable I agree to ask I a trans agree. that's woman why actor I think the, the script would is, not be right for it but yeah. just from a pure sort of like how do we tell this mm-hmm. story kind of right. narrative especially with non-binary folks absolutely um, like you know I'm friend you know like I don't know, Jinx Monsoon or someone that, you know, lives uh, really in the middle. Mm -hmm. I I just think maybe as the scripts get better and Hollywood evolves, this kind of, these explorations um, could be more interesting. But because this movie is so just wrong on every level, (laughs) you know, it's just wrong across the board. Like why even suggest something decent? Because, you know, in a way, part of the magic of it, that's the thing. It was a salvage mission. It is that question though. Like they did choose (laughs) Michelle Rodriguez over, you know, um, a cis man and mm. and I think we all agree that to Why? tell this story yes, <laughs> like, to get to achieve their objective it would have been much easier <laughs> yeah. 
But then right. the movie would not be this fabulous. No, it oh would not God. be what it is. And we have these scenes of, so after this miraculous surgery, which leaves her with no scars, no swelling, um, <laughs> ran, uh, we notice a, a randomly blood splattered robe. Uh, so all the all the, the creature comforts they could provide ended yeah. at a robe. Um, so a really filthy, a filthy, filthy robe. Disgusting Meanwhile, robe. no scars. No scars. An inexplicable kind of harness of gauze that just frames her titties. You get like five well, solid minutes. Bra. They do leave her a bra. And a purse. <laughs> On yes. the bedside table. Yes. <laughs> Items you'll now a, be needing a for little, your kitchen. A little padded bra. And you get like five minutes of Michelle Rodriguez just ogling herself full frontally nude in a mirror, grabbing her tits and moving them around like, what are these? Um, and there's the, the moment where she realizes that she no longer um, has a penis and then just yeah. like screams. Yeah, she sinks to her knees. It's and so goes, terrible. <laughs> it is so bad. It, it bends the mind just watching it all unfold. And I don't feel bad for Michelle Rodriguez. You know, like no. I, I feel bad no. for Sigourney for some reason, but I'm like, I saw interviews Michelle Rodriguez gave, like when mm-hmm. I forget who what the it was actually a scandal about another movie mm-hmm. where the casting <laughs> was you know questionable. I forget what it was, and there were clips of Michelle Rodriguez defending you know like <laughs> her portrayal of a trans person. And now having seen the movie, I'm like, you're you're awful. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's not what you're doing here. You're not playing yeah. a trans person. No, she's not. You don't get no. it one bit. You're playing a gangster who was mutilated. You know, like, what are you talking about? But without scars. <laughs> but I love that she at one point thought she was research. playing a trans person. Like, what are you talking about? You just imagine don't her. don't understand it at all. Her weird little mind if she was just like, this is what's really hot right now. This part's going to get me a lot of good notices. I mean, seriously? <laughs> yes. Yes, of Probably course. Yes. Because, like, let's look at the Academy. They mm-hmm. they love rewarding people for their extreme bravery. You know, like, uh, so-and-so played a gay man 20 right. years ago. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks or whatever. Right. You know, mm-hmm. This person played an... Uh, sure, or Jared played. Leto. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. look at how brave they were. Oh, yeah. And it's gross, you know, mm-hmm. because it's basically, like, you know, obviously inherently problematic. Mm-hmm. Um so they're being rewarded not for the performance necessarily, but just but their sheer nerve. Yeah. yeah, the risk. I know that went through her head. You know it did. Yeah. You know it did. And you know she oh, probably yeah. got off on like, you know, getting the uh, prosthetic mm-hmm. chest oh, and yeah. the, the body. I mean, when she sat there in the chair and she's like, this is going to be so good for me. She still didn't ever learn how to walk like a man. I mean, you know, it's sort of like you, know, you could sit in hours of makeup, but maybe just, I don't know, I know. some physicality training. Yeah. Like You started to do a drag critique of her. Uh, it's right. the basics of what you would do as, a, as an actor to prepare for this part. Okay, you are playing a man, mm-hmm. you know, like... She's sashaying through the movie, you know, like lifting up her gun. It's just, you know, it's a mess. It's a total mess. Yeah, There's one scene in particular toward the end where we cut back to a flashback of Frank, back when Frank had a beard, um, shooting a guy in a parking lot. And you call it out her just like little like shoulder wiggling walk. <laughs> yeah, she's like sashaying. Right, yeah. yeah. So, so what other movies can you guys think of where a woman played a man? Um, my mind goes to another Sigourney Weaver movie with Linda Hunt and Year of Living Dangerously. Oh, I never saw that. Um, I'm just uh, what like is in terms the one of that was so good? Yes, because I, I was thinking like mm-hmm. she's Bob, um, she's Kate literally Blanchett. playing a man. Kate Blanchett played Bob Dylan, and oh, I'm not yeah. there. Oh yeah, how mm-hmm. was that? I never saw it. I mean, it's Kate Blanchett; she can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also, a, since it was so experimental it, 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 as a movie, it, it kind of made sense. It played. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking of, you know. I, I can't think of anything. It's really hard, right? Like, I think of women who've played um, trans men. Mm-hmm. What was that great Glenn Close movie? Oh, Albert, Albert Nobbs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, where Glenn Close mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. approached it like an actor, you know, yes. like, and really mm-hmm. became that. Like, it's like. And that's what this movie was missing, Glenn Close. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It was Glenn missing. Glenn Close is Frank, Frank Kitchen. Kitchen. <laughs> Talented actor, you know, like. It was just such Who a could mess. speak to the the pathos yeah. of this character? And Alma Michelle Rodriguez, in, in a sense, she is the right actor for the film that Walter Hill is making. Yeah, yes. that's true. Yeah. Because it's he a hard loved, I mean, Somehow she he manages, you uh-huh. know, in the grand finale to not have his jacket on or mm-hmm. any sort of short shirt. You know, so <laughs> Frank Kitchen's running around with his tits in a bra. <laughs> yes. You know, through this whole bustier. finale. Like in some ways, it's this great grindhouse, yeah, seventies exploitation mm-hmm. yeah. film. Absolutely. Like that's basically how to best enjoy it because mm-hmm. that's what. Yeah. It is. It's a oh. movie left over from 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and they decided to make it now. But yeah. really, if it had been through made then, through. how delicious it would have been. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's even better now because we're like, what is going on? You know, <laughs> this I, I haven't laughed so much in a movie. I don't think ever. It can. It, at one point, I think during halfway through, uh, Josh was was just like, oh, it's not getting any better. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not getting better. <laughs> No, it's and not. that was before we were, we were introduced to the humidifier. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you met my little humidifier? The antique. It's literally uh, a humidifier. <laughs> yeah, because like there's like little beats. I think that you said that after because there was like a little like lull like midway through where like nothing super embarrassing happened for a few minutes, um, and then and then it's like okay, so maybe it's gonna pivot now, and then like there's just some insane just mind thuddingly dialogue bits come through, and you're like. Oh, it's not getting better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. Just kidding. And I just, I, you know, I was asking Jason about seeing this at a film oh, right. festival screening because mm-hmm. it's just, it's that kind of movie where it baffles the mind. Yes. You know, like mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. kind of imagine them. And that's why I asked if Sigourney was at the premiere right. because yeah. it's sort of like, how did you, you know, these grandiose events, mm-hmm. you know, I love these stories of like the Cannes Film Festival where half the audience, well, oh, apparently yeah. half the audience walked out of the skin I live in. Yeah. But mm-hmm. not because they were so horrified by how bad it was. Mm-hmm. They, they were so upset by it. You right. know, like it was such a, yeah. you know, it's such a mad, and the, the great thing about the skin I live in is you have a, the hand of a director who's mm-hmm. obviously one of the you know yeah, one yeah. one of the you know Greats. the greatest uh, queer, queer filmmakers mm-hmm. who's been working with trans women right. and oh, trans yeah. men and putting them in roles mm-hmm. um, for years and years and mm-hmm. years. So it, in sort of in so, some ways, even though he was still criticized for being transphobic for making this movie, mm-hmm. he has this sort of like permission in a way to explore things and what was to me the great takeaway from the skin i live in is that what's really upsetting you guys have seen it right so spoiler alert Mm -hmm. the thing that's really upsetting about it is this trans surgery that's being executed as a punishment is for the supposed rape of the doctor's daughter right Mm -hmm. the mad scientist's daughter gets raped but what's really on motivar about it is you're not sure the real question is was it rape or not? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's mm-hmm. really where there's this deeper level of mm-hmm. disturbance yeah. around yeah. the whole movie. Because, you know, in, in the, the regular screenwriting world, they mm-hmm. wouldn't, you know, it'd be, it'd be very clearly a rape right. and there'd be very clearly a punishment. But in the mm-hmm. Almodovar world, everything's a big mess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So in in the Cannes Film Festival, I guess mm-hmm. it was just so upsetting that yeah. people got up and left. Whereas yeah. a movie like this, it's not challenging at all. You yeah. know, it doesn't no. it does it doesn't exist on any sort of deeper level. Yeah. It's just surface no. crap yeah. in a way. Did uh, did I ever tell you about when I was interviewing Antonio Banderas for Puss in Boots? And oh then yes, I, I love asked him about the skin I live in, and he was like, "Do not compare them." <laughs> and I was like, "Why?" And Salah was there, and she was like, "Why not compare them? It's a fun question." And he's like, "No." Uh, but no, well, so, I could see why you want to keep your children's, yeah, exactly. your very well, well-paid <laughs> children's franchise well, gig well, Sal- as far away from your Almodovar world. <laughs> Salma, Salma was down, but, uh, but yeah, I think, well, Cannes is so different culturally than Toronto because Cannes has like a long lasting legacy of like these people just booing mm, and like, uh-huh, well, it's just right. like, a very French audience, you know? So like right. they're in Toronto, Toronto is like the most, um, in general, the most like affirming film festival in a lot of ways. Right, like it's such right. a populist film festival. Like the worst movie in the world can premiere in Toronto to like a rapturous standing ovation because everyone's so excited to be there because it's open to the public. Right. And they're there and they're the, the, all the stars are on the stage and everyone's just like, yes, yes. And so like that's why people wrongly thought the bird. Are you nation. saying they're nice in Canada and rude in France? <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. You, is that what you're suggesting? I mean, maybe even Quebec is probably a middle point between <laughs> right. them. But Quebec is questionable territory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, so and that's why people wrongly thought on the awards trail that Birth of a Nation had a new lease on 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 life because when it had its Toronto screening, it had like a rapturous standing ovation. But I was trying to caution people. I'm like, no, guys, literally every movie gets a rapturous standing ovation right, right. when it gets a gala presentation at Toronto. Every movie does that, and that's part of film festival culture Absolutely. in some ways. It's where a bubble. there is this sort of spirit of I think people root for the movies. Mm. You're swept up in the fact that the people who made them are probably in the audience mm-hmm. and so you're really very excited you're really very viewing heady. it and it's interesting how um sometimes a movie on second viewing but that's what's so great about can uh-huh. right well showgirls you know oh, yeah. you know had a very controversial premiere you know where where i kind of like the idea that like you know an audience might just sort of go like this sucks <laughs> you know like what, is, what, what what are you talking about because i think san francisco in general also tends to be far more Canadian, you know, like mm-hmm. any film you see um, at a festival here, um, by and large gets an audience, you know, that's going to politely mm-hmm. approve right, right. whether they should or shouldn't. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I saw this, I saw the movie, the assignment reassignment uh, at a very, very large, very full press and industry screening. So the talent wasn't there. The director wasn't there. Uh, it was just all journalists and critics and, and distributor people. And uh, and I think most people stayed. I think, uh, and they were still nice about well, it. Well, I don't think they were. I mean, like there was laughter, uh-huh. um, and certainly was unintentional laughter. Uh, so I wouldn't say that. I mean, the P and Is are not as polite. It's it's the public galas that are very polite. So these these are just private press industry screenings. And we would have been guffawing. Oh my oh, god! You know yeah. what I mean? Like oh, I was like. If you were with a gaggle of queens, yes. you know, or just like <laughs> queer know. folks That's watching this wanted. movie, like you just can't imagine. It reminds me of I saw, um, oh god, what was that great Madonna body of evidence? Oh. I saw, you know, um, in a theater in central mm-hmm. Pennsylvania with yeah. Martini. Uh-huh. We were going to school, and like, of course, we went because it's the new Madonna movie, right. and there were people like earnestly looking <laughs> forward to a noir sex, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so they were watching it very seriously, and we were asked to leave. <laughs> leave the theater. <laughs> in Altoona, Pennsylvania, <laughs> where we had gone to see this movie because it wasn't showing in State College, we had to go to Altoona, and I couldn't believe the nerve 
And we weren't like do we weren't even talking. We were just laughing. It's like, wait, you can be asked to leave right. to, for laughing. You're like, we're yeah. not allowed to have an honest response oh. to the film. I mean, that's where, how that, that's how this would be. Well, where it, is this being released in San Francisco? Is it being like billed being, as like an art house movie? Uh, no, somewhere? it's getting its opening. So, so as we're as you're listening to this, uh, the, the, this the day that we're putting this podcast out, it's going to be available to, uh, to rent on VOD on like iTunes. A week uh, after that, it's going to be opening, and I believe the Vogue. Uh huh. Um, so it is, is a, getting a theatrical. It is getting a theatrical. Yeah, it's wow. playing at like the Vogue. That is shocking. And, and what I'm waiting for is uh, well, the Vogue. I mean, so it's not opening at the Metreon. No, you know, they're yeah. not going to no, sacrifice it's not doing a multiplex. Sure. Beauty you know, and the Beast or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's opening at like an older like movie house <laughs> in the city, right? Can you imagine? She's like, sorry, Beauty and a whatever. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> classic Frank Kitchen right there. It's <laughs> a girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. We even talked about there's a love interest in the film who's a nurse, um, Johnny. Who, yeah, uh, we were nursing. Johnny, so you know Frank and Johnny. Yeah. And if you don't know, so, nurses uh, they work for doctors. <laughs> yes. There's some conversation around that. There's a scene where um, Johnny is with Frank, and then Frank is like, she steps out of the shower, and Frank's there, and Frank's like, "You're the beauty, and I'm the whatever I am, whatever." I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm a and what- the other the other great dialogue is Johnny and Frank. When Frank is a man, you know they have sex, they have a one night stand. Basically, they just trick one night, but yeah. somehow Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll figure out why yeah, Johnny, gets Johnny like invites Frank over after he's been mm-hmm. through some shit. But when Frank calls Johnny to say, "Can I come over?" Something horrible's happened. He kind of <laughs> warns Johnny that there's been a, a slight change, you know, in his life by saying, "You know, just so you know, I shaved and other things." You know, describing what's different. This is, you know, I'm a little different. I shaved and some, and other, some stuff. other stuff. Yes, and some other stuff. I mean, this is the dialogue. And so, you know, just enjoy it. And and Michelle Rodriguez is the best person to deliver that just because she's so, she's so lacking in any kind of nuance. So she only knows how to say it in the dumbest possible way. I shaved and uh, some other stuff. You know, uh, I had my penis removed. I, right, I have a know, vagina and and some breasts. My vagina. I shaved my beard and also my penis. Uh, So, you know, who actually was there at the screen I saw of it was Dez from Frameline. Oh, she right. was like right in front of me. Yeah. And I think she also was like howling. Uh, well, you so. know what I was thinking? Speaking of Dez, I was actually thinking this during the movie. I was like, yeah. what could make this salvageable? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, get some of the wittiest queers, mm-hmm. trans folks, mm-hmm. comedy people, oh, yeah. and do this at Frameline as mm-hmm. a mystery science, science theater. theater. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh my because God, yeah. that way you're just taking Ugh. this sort of icky thing yeah. And, yeah. and kind of, you know, Transgressively turning it into something that could be very—I mean, we were wildly entertained oh my God. by it. Oh my God! And this is this is yeah. This I want to watch it again. I know. I'm this ready is, to watch it again. This is what I want to talk about now. Is like like what should because I feel like what's happened is that I think a really small distributor has this, and they are just trying to dump it. You know, they're just, right. they're just dumping it. And I, but I think they're selling it short by dumping it. I mean, they're doing out of sensitivity to the fact that they don't want to have a lot of bad press. Even though to your point earlier, all bad press—you know—bad press is good press. But you know, should this be shown as a midnight movie? Like, you know, like, as I feel like, if it, you know, if, if, I, I feel like it should. I feel like it, ha- it has a future as that kind of I would movie. love to, like, I would actually love specifically for it to be Frameline. To be the Frameline I mean? contest. Like for, for a yeah. queer community right. to go, like, mm-hmm. shape you know, okay. Mm-hmm. But see, or, I don't want them to make more money. That's can, the problem. Mm. 
Oh. You do it at Camfest? Camfest? Yeah, I don't know. All of the. Oh, yeah. Oh, festival. God. Yeah, right. Camfest. Yeah, or they, Sketchfest. Or Sketchfest. Yeah. Sketchfest would be good. Uh, and, and get like Our Lady J and mm, other trans mm, writers and people, right. you know, that have a sense of humor yeah. and can kind of like comment, give the mm. commentary that would be so fun and delicious. Yeah. You know, for a particular audience. Yeah, yeah. this could be, this has like a, a room type feel to yeah. it. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. it does. You could no. do a good, everyone could go dressed as Frank Kitchen. You could <laughs> yes. get some I think that you're completely right. It yeah. is basically the room. And then you yes. drink every time they like say Frank Kitchen or that's something. What, that's what I was thinking about. Was like how how the room is it? Like how close is it to the it's room? Pretty close. It's like pretty it is, damn yeah. close. Sigourney and Michelle right. are trying it's, to deliver. It's this the room with huge garbage. fucking stars in it. Yeah, they are giving you an <laughs> earnest performance, and oh, that's what makes Tony it so Shalhoub. like the room. And there are just he's, these, actually, he's actually the only one in the movie that's kind of like okay. Yeah. You know, like he somehow yeah. made it work. Sort yeah. of. That's that wings, uh, right? Just that wings background. Wings background, solid. That wings background. I mean, he just sort of went in and was like, "Okay, yeah. I'm gonna do this. I'm not gonna." I mean, you know. he was playing the straight guy, you know, and he did it fine. But you know, like I think that <laughs> so was Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, it had these other weird eccentricities where it was like there was a moment. Okay, so as we mentioned, Sigourney Weaver's character loves to quote Shakespeare, oh and then like and then and then like and then sort of like shade everyone for not understanding her. Uh, and there's a scene that just like these three panels of Shakespeare just like appear on the screen like boom, boom like boom, almost boom, like a Warhol, as a transition like, as like a transition panel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. silhouette uh, of and it's like what. Uh, and they do know, it again with Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, and then they show like Frank wakes up when Frank wakes up post surgery. There's like a little like post-it note on the wall that says "Nevermore, Nevermore." <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, once you think like the whole thing is done and they've shown all the actors, then a quote appears on the screen that says like. <laughs> A forty-five is always right, or something like that. And then it attributes the quote <laughs> to, to Frank, Frank Kitchen. <laughs> it ends with a quote by its fictional protagonist. <laughs> I feel yes. like this movie it has almost like an obsessive need to explain every detail. Like they don't oh, let yeah. you like they they want to tie up every single thing, oh, yeah. so they like either explain through dialogue or mm-hmm. show you uh, every single thing that happens along the way. Like, well, there's <laughs> another use for this film. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and I'm totally being serious, like it should be used in screenwriting classes as an example of Mm -hmm. shit because (laughs) it is so exactly what you are taught as a writer not mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. yeah you know the dialogue is so ridiculous and expository and expository you stuff. know it, it actually i'm really being serious like yeah. it would be a great Absolutely. thing to show students yeah. and learn say, from their mistakes and, and then show them another movie like a well-written screenplay and mm-hmm. look look this is what happens like you right. can't make a good movie out of a bad screenplay and here's the best they could do because this is the screenplay they were given mm-hmm yeah, no, I think I think that's very true, and it's about, like, the, the expository stuff right away. Yeah. Like when Tony Shalhoub first sits down with Sigourney, and he starts oh, to like, and starts to review all the details, so we get the full background. But instead of it just being and, that like straight, he like tells the whole story. She keeps cutting him off yeah, to like so she, they kind of volley and back and, and forth. She's like, must we stuff? repeat the inane details of my tired? And then but then she does repeat, repeat them. Yeah. The yeah, and she's like, and then what I thought was that I had to have my revenge, right? <laughs> no, and if. It an actress and actor you know like if those two actors can't make a screenplay sing mm-hmm. you yeah, know then like what are then, you do? And, and, and you know like the, these are two competent people mm-hmm. and it just was cringeworthy from like Ooh. the mm-hmm. first moment yeah 
this movie yeah. um, I'm surprised you were able to have it all oh, to yourself I mean, seven months in your head without being able I, to share this with us I have had it anyone I have had it, a, a copy of this this copy of it that we watch now I have had it for like over a month and I have somehow not shown it to anyone wow so I wanted I wanted to have it fresh in this correct setting and have a proper just give it the, the space it needed to really bloom and I, to be seen by us and I engaged. definitely yeah I'm ready to like memorize this movie i'm yeah. ready to do to make up the rules for the drinking game oh yeah um and figure and, out the costume thing and we should note that both the both of our spouses were also in hysterics uh, oh throughout yeah this movie uh it was it's it's a crown pleaser yeah this is i haven't seen i haven't seen something this funny in i don't know this is so binge it i have a headache so binge yeah, it i have a headache from laughing binge it yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's funny that we just talked about how awful it is, <laughs> and we're all agreeing yeah. this is like. To, yeah. I mean, by all means, binge it because <laughs> it's 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 special. You know, yeah. we don't get a train wreck like this yeah. where it sings on oh. so many levels. And thank God they made the choices they made because <laughs> you know it, it's not boring. Broken English. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I think, and what we kept saying was like, this is a C to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 for sure like you know um, joyously filling it all in for you, but you really do need to see it. And then, mm-hmm. and that way, I do think um, you know a lot. Like, I tend to like midnight screenings and cult movie screenings that are celebratory. That's the business I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I actually earnestly love Showgirls. Right. I really, really love it. I right. would never say that I love um, the assignment. Mm-hmm. The assignment. <laughs> no. Or The Room, for right. example. Mm-hmm. And so there is this sort of cynical version of, of the midnight movie experience mm-hmm. that, you know, goes back to Ed Wood. I mean, it's been around sure. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where I call it hate watching, mm-hmm. where you lo- you love to hate something so much. And I could mm-hmm. see this becoming mm-hmm. one of those yeah. um, movies. Like, it's not necessarily my style because as Peaches Christ, I right. tend to be much more... Um, uh, positive, mm-hmm. optimistic, you know, like, but I do, I could see this at the Clay Theater yes. with a bunch of millennials, oh, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, cynically watching it. And I actually think it'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And oh, just, yeah. well, what, what did we just do? Oh, I mean, yeah. a, and we had a blast. It was a really great way to spend oh, the afternoon. No. Yeah. You know, I, know. I love the idea <laughs> of the frame. I definitely want to like round up a group of friends and go see this at the Vogue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We I should mean, talk to Dez. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We should reach out. We should this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, we will. It's, it's guys, it's the assignment. It's available to rent now. It'd be a mm-hmm. hilarious movie to bring your friends over and rent and have drinks and just laugh your asses off. We watch it for what it's worth. We watched it at noon on a Sunday, <laughs> all sober. It's beautiful outside. It's beautiful yeah. outside. We, we had to close the blinds. Yeah. And we sat there early afternoon, stone sober, watching this movie and just laughed our asses and off. And now we've just talked about it for an hour. Uh, and I feel like there's so much we didn't even yeah, get a chance yeah, to yeah, touch. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, be sure to check it out. And thank you so much, Joshua, um, for taking yes. the time to talk to us about it. Thank and share you. For I feel me. like closer to you now that we've done this <laughs> yes, experience together, too. right? Yeah, it's uh, true. It's unbelievable. And Joshua, you have a, a new podcast that is out and available now. Yes, it's uh, my storytelling show that's a live event here in San Francisco. Uh, that we record at Oasis um, called Out Loud Storytelling. So if you'd like to hear the podcast version, Mm -hmm. uh, search for Out Loud Storytelling on iTunes. Yes. And if you guys enjoy storytelling shows in general, if you're into things like the moth, these stories are much more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Jason hates the moth still. (laughs) Very anti-moth. So check it out, guys. All right. Well, thank you again, Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you. I I still can't. I can't say anything.
<sighs> I mean, just I'm exhilarated. <laughs> I'm exhilarated. <laughs> I'm, I'm not from, the same person I was. From the last three hours of my life. Three hours ago. No, no. Um, I still dawn. have so much to say. It's a new day. Uh, <laughs> and now we, all we want to do is just watch it with every one of you. Yeah, I wish I could invite you all over and we could watch this all together. Um, this will definitely make you closer to the people that you love. <laughs> really, by burning bridges, builds friendships and relationships. Um, it's a special movie. It really is. So uh, thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, be sure to uh, catch us on uh, Twitter. Jason is... Excess baggage. <laughs> I am Fight Balance. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.